know, this is week two of our series, Spiritual Boot Camp. Last week we began, and it's, it's situated in uh, Ephesians, that whole list of the armor of God. And it's because this is a spiritual battle that we're in, and you really know that these days, don't you? Paul tells us, though, it's not against flesh and blood. He lists that it's against the rulers, authorities, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And when you look at the world around us, you see it's, it's, there's a lot of trouble. There's distrust and chaos and, and anger and hatred. And as the body of Christ, we need to stand out as people who have an answer uh, for those who are looking for hope and peace. And if we try to fight that spiritual battle in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own choices, we'll fail. Because we are in an evil day, aren't we? There's a time of confusion, there's increasing darkness, and uh, we have this hope and peace that people need if we turn to God and follow Jesus and get our guidance from God. And at the time that Paul wrote this book of Ephesians, remember, this was not like it was like a great time and no problems. He's talking because he's in prison. He's done those missionary trips and and had ministry to all these different areas there, and and he is uh, imprisoned. He's got an armed guard around him in his house. And guess who the emperor was? Nero, who persecuted the church. And so he is saying, listen, guys, we need to be prepared. And it's a difficult time for the church now, just like it was back then. Uh, For followers of Jesus, it's hard to be that light in the world, isn't it? And so here's what Paul tells us we need to do. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Ephesians 6, I'm going to read through uh, several of the verses again that we read last week and uh, just kind of refresh ourselves what that is. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. And that's, of course, in the New Testament, almost to the end, right? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we'll stop there for today. And... What Paul is saying here is that you are in this battle, and from some of the descriptions he uses, it's like there's an all-out assault against us as followers of Jesus Christ. And the enemy has crafted specific ways he's going to go after us. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 say, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So we see from this that the devil's plan isn't to leave us alone, but it's to devour us, to destroy us. And he's trying to stop the work of God in us, but also the work of God in the world. And if he can get at us, he can try and halt that. 
And Paul said in Ephesians 6.10, remember, he said, be strong in the Lord and, the, and in his mighty power. And how we can do that isn't just by thinking those good thoughts, but by actually wearing that armor of God, those spiritual things that he gave us are resources. It's symbolic, of course. There's not like I'm going to pull out of here an actual breastplate of righteousness. It's symbolic, though, of what God wants us to be equipped with every day to live our lives. And last week, Pastor Steve told us about the belt of truth. The truth of God is in his word. And uh, we need to first know what that truth of God is and have it for the foundation for all of those other pieces of armor. And this is the foundation of all the resources that God has given us to be able to stand strong. And today we're looking at that breastplate of righteousness. So what exactly is that? Well, there's a slide I have of a picture of the armor of God and all those verses we were just reading through. And you see that there's different pieces there that he's wearing. And that one breastplate piece that he has on uh, it was made of overlapping pieces of metal fastened together by leather and it would cover his shoulders his torso and it would rest on his hips and even partially cover them and it was designed to deflect the darts and swords of the enemy it provided very good protection for the the soldier it covered things like his heart and his lungs because without that if he went out to battle this is be they're not riding horses this is on foot if he went out to battle another person and he did not have that breastplate on it could be fatal so another name for this breastplate was also called the heart guard because it protected the heart and it was considered a defensive piece of armor because as they would be going and going into battle and there would be People coming at him with swords and arrows, this would help deflect that. And the soldier also had a shield, but in the heat of the battle, and where blows were coming from any direction, he needed more than that shield. He needed that breastplate on as well to ward off those attacks. In Proverbs 4.23 in the Amplified, it says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. So God in his word tells us we need to guard our hearts. And why is he telling us that? It's not just talking about this organ that's pumping blood. Back in the word of God, when it's talking about guarding our heart and talking about our heart, it's considered a place of decisions. The the breastplate of righteousness, therefore, is guarding our decisions that we're making. So One of the examples of how the Bible really talks about this as a place of decision is in Romans 10.10. For it's with the heart that you believe. So it's talking about that that's a place that decisions are made to, to have faith, to have that relationship with God. He says that it's with your heart that you make that decision. And Jesus told us in Matthew 5.8 that blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So there's that decision that we make to follow him, that, that purity in heart, that place of decisions, good decisions, good choices being made, and good thoughts. And God's word said, also, you know, your heart can be hard, or it can be soft and open to his leading. In Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, it says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, That means that heart that's hard and resistant to the leading of God, hard and resistant to to showing the love that he wants to give us, 
hard to receive what he has for us. And instead, he says, I'll give you a heart of flesh, a heart that's able to listen to God and follow him. So our hearts, you see, are the center of who we are. They're actually speaking about the core of our being here. And so God wants us to protect that with righteousness. And why would he ask us to do that? Well, part of the reason is God himself actually wears righteousness. In Isaiah 59, 16 and 17, it's talking about how he's going to go into battle and, and he, he's doing this because he's not finding someone to go on his behalf. And so it says his own arm achieved salvation for him. His own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. So you see, even here in this verse in the Old Testament, he's talking, God is talking about these things like righteousness and salvation as weapons. In Psalm 97 too, it says about God that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. So if righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne, that means that it is part of who God is. It's part of his character. So that means that God not only has righteousness, it means he is righteousness. He is a righteous God. And so part of who he is is the righteousness that he's asking us to put on. Okay, if we're supposed to clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ, this is why. Because all of those attributes that are in God are in Jesus Christ. It tells us in the word of God that when we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. They're, they're like same kind of character, same kind of uh, resources that we have from God through Jesus Christ. So when we say we need to clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ, that means we need to put on these things that we have available to us that are part of who God is. And one of them is this righteousness. Okay, so what is righteousness? I mean, that can be one of those words that you hear a lot and you think, okay, I think I know what it is, but yeah, what is righteousness? Well, it means, in Greek, it means to do right. Or another version of the, what it means is the condition acceptable to God. The condition acceptable to God. Or conforming to his will. So that means that when we're righteous, the things we do conform to the will of God. We're not only just doing right, but we're following what God is showing us to do. So what about righteousness? What else can we learn from the word? In Proverbs twelve twenty eight, it says, In the way of righteousness there's life. So if we want to have life and life eternal, righteousness is a part of that. Now in Romans 3.23 it says, you know, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We, we looked at this verse this last week in our Bible study. And so there's, there's good news and bad news with that verse, right? The, the bad news is, okay, I can't do this righteous thing all by myself, obviously, because all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short. So that's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus made a way through his death and resurrection. God provided that answer through what Jesus did for us. And in Genesis 15:6, it tells us that righteousness actually starts with believing God. It says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. See, Abraham's relationship with God began by believing him. He had this strong faith and he believed that God would do what he said. And so because of that, he backed up his faith with obedience to the commands of God. 
So when we follow Jesus, when we make that statement of faith, when we believe in him, it says in Ephesians 4.24 that we put on a new self, which, good news here, was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So when we make that commitment of faith, when we decide we're going to follow Jesus Christ, when we receive what he did for us, part of that is a new self, and that new self, thank goodness, was created by God to be like him and to be righteous. That's really good news, isn't it? To, have, to truly have righteousness, we have to, though, make that decision to follow Christ and believe in him. Isaiah 61.10 talks about I delighted greatly in my Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. And so God puts on his righteousness when we follow Jesus. It's almost like a robe. He clothes us in righteousness. We have that righteousness available to us. Paul tells us that it actually protects us. In 2 Corinthians 6, 7, it talks about righteousness being weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left so it's to be used as a weapon against the attacks of the enemy it's vital to protecting our hearts and it's also according to isaiah 28 17 a plumb line for us as we follow jesus it says i'll make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line Hell will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and the water will overflow your hiding place. So I'll make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. It provides that comparison for us. It, can, it, it gives us something to judge how our life is, the righteousness of God. When we were building our, our house about nine years ago, and November 2nd was our anniversary, I think, of nine years in that house, and we would go over and look at the progress they had made pretty much every day. And, you know, when they first start building, they dig that big hole and they pour the foundation in. And, and uh, then from that, they put the framing up and everything. And part of what they do with that, you know, it seems like, well, it's taking so long. It's really taking a long time. But they have to get that foundation right and that framing right. They use a plumb line to make sure that the foundation, the frame, and the walls are plumb, meaning they're at the right angles. They're, they're not off because if they were off, the house wouldn't be solid. After a while, it would just kind of tip over, right? Uh, or you'd notice some big problems for sure. Because if it's not right, if it's not plumb, it, it won't be a house that is right. It won't be a house that is solid. And the plumb line in our lives is righteousness. The commands of God actually are that plumb line to us, and they show us if our life is true and straight, and it helps us stay on track with God. So David told us that he loved God's word, God's commands. In Psalm 119, 172, he says, May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. We can put righteousness on ourselves by obeying God in our lives. And it's not from a heart that earns something. It's not like we're doing these things and being righteous out of compulsion, but out of a heart that actually loves God, that's being drawn to him. And we become more like him each day. 
So Paul says there's coming a day that's evil, a specific time of evil. We saw that in Ephesians 6. And we need to be prepared for it by putting on the armor of God. Adam Clark said, as the breastplate defends the heart and lungs and all those vital functionaries that are contained in what is called the region of the thorax, so this righteousness defends everything on which man's spiritual existence depends. He says this righteousness defends everything on which man's spiritual existence depends. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he's saying... The weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. They have divine power. And here again, it's just showing us that the enemies we have, they can be numerous. They can come against us unexpectedly. And we must be prepared to fight with divine weapons. He's saying, you know, you can't just use regular things to fight this. You have to have the spiritual power, the divine power to demolish them. Some of you know that I'm a chaplain in the local police department too. And when I'm on calls with them, I notice that all the officers are wearing these bulletproof vests. And they wear them underneath their their shirts. But you can still see they're they're wearing a bulletproof vest under there. And uh, kind of a modern-day equivalent of the breastplate of righteousness, in a way, you know. (laughs) And they're wearing it every day. And when I see them on duty, they're wearing these vests in the winter, in the summer, no matter how hot it is, They've got them on, and they're not complaining to the chief, like, why do we have to wear these things? I mean, they know why they're wearing them. And what if they would go out and decide, you know what, today, it's just such a nice sunny day. I don't think I need to wear it today. And they'd go out without that on. Well, that would be foolish. We would say, how foolish. Knowing what you know about the world today, that would not be a wise choice. And it would leave them unprepared for unexpected attacks. But that's the same for us. You know, we need to be prepared for unexpected attacks. And how foolish to go out without wearing all the armor that God has for us. Uh, righteousness is one of our primary defenses against the attack of the enemy. And it gives, us, it gives us life, it keeps us protected, and it keeps us doing what is right. The enemy doesn't tell us in advance, does he? I mean, we don't know that we're going to get an attack of the enemy and so we can be prepared that day. No, we have to always be ready for what he is bringing our way because he will try to make us fall. He will try to make us fail. And unless we are prepared spiritually for the battle, we won't make it. There's an example in the word of God, too, of someone who's wearing a breastplate, but it's not the right one. The king of Israel and the king of Judah had gotten together and they had this plan to go into battle together and they thought, hey, this is great. We're kind of buddies here. Let's plan the battle together. And then they said, oh, oh, let's, let's ask the prophets what they think. Well, a bunch of them all said, oh, yes, king, you go, you'll be victorious. And then they asked the other guy and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, go, you'll be victorious. And the guy said, okay, are you telling me the truth? He goes, no. 
If you go, God has said don't go, and if you go, you will not, you will not win. That will be a bad thing. Do not go. It will kill you. So in 1 Kings 22, starting at verse 29, we see the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I'll enter the battle in disguise, but you wear the royal robe. Somehow he knew they were really after him the most. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had ordered 32 chariot commanders. Do not fight with anyone, small or great, except the king of Israel. Okay, so looks like he made a good choice, right? Looks like putting on the, robe, uh, the other guy's robes and stuff might help. So when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, surely this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him, but when Jehoshaphat cried out, which, yeah, I guess he would, no, I'm not him. The chariot commander saw he was not the king of Israel and stopped pursuing him. But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. And all day long the battle raged and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran onto the floor of his chariot and that evening he died. See, the king of Israel wasn't wearing his armor. He wasn't wearing the stuff he was supposed to wear. He was wearing another guy's armor, another guy's clothes. And because of that, he didn't think that he was going to get hit. He, he thought, if I wear this disguise, no one's going to know who I am. I'm safe. But what happened was, he randomly got shot by an arrow from somebody else. Now, we could go into this and, and diagnose all the other problems that are here, but the main thing I want us to draw from that this morning is that if we try to wear a righteousness, a false righteousness, that isn't what God is talking about here, if it's our own ideas of what righteousness is, it's not going to protect us. If we do stuff in our own efforts, out of our flesh, out of our own minds and hearts that are not led by God and we're doing our own efforts, it's not going to protect us from the attack of the enemy. In Isaiah 64, 6, it said, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. See, in our own, our own ideas of what's right, our own ideas of what we should be doing, our plans, our wisdom. God says that's like a filthy rag. And a breastplate of filthy rags is not going to protect us in the heat of the battle. It's only God's righteousness. That's the armor that fits us. That's the armor that protects us. The righteousness of God in us. And it is anchored in the word of God. It's in his word that we get this righteousness. It's in him being the Lord of our lives that we get his righteousness. When a recruit joins the army, he goes to boot camp, and he learns how to wear the uniform, how to use the weapons, so that when they're in battle and the pressure's on, they know what to do. They don't have to consult a guidebook. They, they've been reading it. They've been trained. They understand what it means. So when they're in the heat of the battle, they are protected. So how do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? How are we protected in the heat of the battles that we face? The first thing 
is we need to daily claim and receive Jesus' righteousness in us. It can't be from our own efforts, but we need to claim and receive what Jesus has for us. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word, we need to wear that correct armor. We need to be wearing his armor each day. Pray each day to wear that armor that God has given you. When you spend time in the word, when you apply the belt of truth, ask God, Lord, help me to be living this life in alignment with your will. Help me to wear your righteousness today when I go to work. Help me to use what you have given me everywhere I go today. And the second thing is we we need to make good choices. Decisions we need to make need to be made from that perspective of righteousness. We need to be living in a way that honors God so our our lives, our hearts aren't open to the attack of the enemy and we make poor choices because they're not made out of spending time with God and learning what his will is for us. A lifestyle of pure living, moral decisions that are aligned with the word of God and the will of God. God gives us examples of what that looks like in his word. It's of having a heart that wants to serve God and do the things that he desires of us, whatever that is. So our lives are beyond reproach. And we need to seek God for choices. If you're wondering, should I do this or that? We need to spend time in prayer. Seek God. God may ask you to lay some things down. Not everything he will ask you to lay down is sin, but sometimes something is in the way of him bringing you into that next thing with him. We need to be willing to lay down that stuff that God is telling us to lay down. And part of that is an increased sensitivity to his voice. And the way we're going to learn that is by spending time with him. Use the plumb line of his word and see where it is that you need to change the direction of your life or change your actions. And then last, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we need to walk in humility, honesty, and goodness. As we wear this righteousness... We learn to walk in humility because this is not of us, it's of God. It's not ours because of our efforts, but because of what Jesus did for us. His death and his resurrection and as we grow closer to him through reading and applying that word of God, spending time in his presence, those characteristics of Jesus Christ will all increase in our lives. He'll put on us that robe of righteousness, that breastplate of righteousness, And he'll put on his honesty and his goodness in our lives. As I was preparing for today, I was asking God, Lord, what is it that you would have for us today? Because as we know, it's been a very tumultuous week. Lots of stuff going on. And I'm like, God, what is it that you would speak to us today about this? And I felt that two verses came to my mind. One was Proverbs fourteen thirty four. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. See, our nation is not known for righteousness. We, as the body of Christ, have let our life, our light, grow dim. The light of God in our life has grown dim and we're consumed by the ways of the world, by the, the correctness of our speech, by the world's standards. We're using that as our plumb line. And our concept of what is right and wrong is more determined by the world and our feelings than it is by the word of God. We've turned from God into our own ways. 
We need to see what our calling is from God, what he is calling us to be and do in this dark world. It's not just about loving everybody, is it? That's important, but that's not the deal. That's not all it is. It's about a life that God tells us to live in his word. It's to live above moral perversion, to live above deception and deceit, and to follow Jesus' example, to love God more than the latest phone, car, house, job, philosophy, whatever. We've allowed ourselves to become so much like the world around us, those who follow their own desires and their own wisdom. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Church, we need to wake up. And we need to see that unless we humble ourselves and pray for our nation, unless we personally turn from our sinful ways and thoughts, unless we seek God and his righteousness, God is not going to hear us. God wants us to come before him and do this so he can heal our land. But it begins with us as the body of Christ. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin condemns it. We must turn from our sin and focus on living righteous, holy lives. We must learn what it is in the heart of God for us personally and corporately. The breastplate of righteousness has been thrown down and it's laid in the dirt by us going our own ways, trying to be like the world instead of wanting to be like Christ. Yes, his grace saves, but we must not use this as an opportunity to be sinful. Pick up that breastplate of righteousness. Pick it up and put it on. Listen to the word of the Lord. Spend time with him and in his word. And turn from your sinful ways. Lay that thing down that is causing a hindrance in your relationship with him. And follow him. Turn to him and then pray. Pray, pray for our nation. Would you stand with me? Maybe you're thinking, you know what? I I have the word and I have faith and and I've got all these things in my life that God has asked me to. But there's maybe an area in your life that's coming between you and God. It's causing you to not have time to spend with him. It's causing you to to not focus on him. You're focused on something other than God and his will for your life. And if today you're living with something like that, that's an area you need to get rid of. That's an area of sin. It's time to put it down to take off the self-effort, to take off the filthy rags of our own righteousness and to pick up the righteousness of God and allow him to clothe us in his character. To you bow your heads as we close? Today, how many of you would say, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm wearing that breastplate of righteousness every day. I've been trying to do some of this Christian life 
in my own power, and I'm trusting in my own wisdom. But today I want God to put his righteousness on me, his power in me, and I want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. I want him to give me good choices and help me be fully wearing that armor of God. If today you're saying, I want my life to be that example to the world around me of righteous living to exalt him, if you would say that today, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, I thank you that as we follow you, that you have given us your righteousness for us. Father, I pray that we would today understand the seriousness of us as your followers, putting on that armor, walking in faith, walking in righteousness so the world around us can see that example. Father, I pray that we would, in fact, not allow the world to dictate to us how we should live, that we wouldn't use their standards to determine whether or not we're successful, that we wouldn't use the, the, what the world speaks about to be our talking points. Lord God, that we would, in fact, daily, daily go to your word and seek you. Lord God, you've said that when we follow you, when we accept you, that you put on us, you put Christ on us. We clothe ourselves in you. We clothe ourselves in the things that God has for us. And so, Father, we want righteousness to be that plumb line in our life to help us make wise decisions, to guard our hearts against the attacks of the enemy. And, Father, today we've said, yes, we want to wear that righteousness. We want to be that person, to be the example before you and before the world of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that as we go through these weeks and months ahead that look so confusing, that look so difficult. Lord God, I pray that you would use us as that light and that hope in the world, that people would see in our hearts and in our lives what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. We all put that breastplate of righteousness on by the power of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen.